welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for November the 4th of 2019. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams, and this is a daily gaming news podcast meant to bring you the hottest stories from around the industry five days a week, Monday through Friday. And you can always find the show on YouTube and podcast services around the world, as well as in a daily digest written form on medium.com slash report. And of course, links for all of this will be down below. But with that being said, this past weekend was BlizzCon 2019, a very controversial and exciting event for this year's show was held, and I have all the news that you need to know, including the big apology from Blizzard CEO and news about Diablo 4, Overwatch 2, and a brand new World of Warcraft expansion. Very exciting times to be in the world of Warcraft. Then, Bioware has lost an Anthem lead yet again. This is another big, high-profile departure from the company. Luigi's Mansion 3 is killing it on the Nintendo Switch. Speaking of killing it, Nintendo is bringing more 3DSs to the... Wait, that's not the right way to say that. More 3DS games to the Switch. No, they aren't bringing actual consoles to the new console. And finally, Call of Duty Modern Warfare is continuing to sell very well, but now a data mining operation has discovered 38 potential maps coming to the game. It looks like some fan favorites are making a comeback. But without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into today's top gaming news. First off, Blizzard CEO apologizes for Hearthstone Hong Kong controversy. BlizzCon's opening presentation just kicked off, but before diving into any of the details on new game announcements, Blizzard CEO Jay Allen Brack took a moment to address the company's recent controversy over the suspension of a Hearthstone player for expressing pro-Hong Kong views. Blizzard had the opportunity to bring the world together in a tough Hearthstone esports moment a month ago, and we did not, Brack told the audience. We moved too quickly in our decision-making, and to make matters worse, we were too slow to talk to all of you. When I think about what I'm most unhappy about, it was two things. First, we didn't live up to the high standards we set ourselves, and the second, we failed in our purpose. For that, I accept responsibility, and I am sorry. So, what exactly is our purpose? BlizzCon is demonstrating it even as we speak. We aspire to bring the world together in epic entertainment, and I truly believe in the positive power of the video game. When we get it right, we create a common ground where the community comes together to compete, connect, and play. As an example, BlizzCon has people from 59 countries at the show today, and that is amazing, is the positive power of video games. Brack also seemed to address the ongoing protests currently taking place outside the BlizzCon building, in which protesters are currently handing out free Hong Kong t-shirts and holding banners, along with a few Winnie the Pooh costumes, an anti-China protest symbol. We will do better going forward, but our actions are going to matter more than any of these words. As you walk around this weekend, I hope it's clear how committed we are to everyone's right to express themselves in all kinds of ways and all kinds of places. I've actually seen and heard many of you expressing yourselves this morning. Once again, BlizzCon has brought us together, and you are going to see a lot of the hard work of the Blizzard team. And of course, a few uh, images that were posted on the show floor as well as outside of the convention center are found on Twitter from people that attended the show. Blizzard's previous statement on the Hong Kong controversy shied away from an apology, but reduced player Chung Blitzchung Ningwai's suspension from one year to six months. As of yet, there's no word on whether this will be altered further, but accepting responsibility may well be the first step in rebuilding Blizzard's strained relationship with its community. Whether it'll be enough to calm down the Hong Kong protest at BlizzCon is another matter entirely. And so this is how they chose to kick out the show, and I respect it uh, because of the fact that if you ignore what's happening outside the building, and if you ignore the conversations online, line, uh, you aren't going to be working towards solving any of the problems that exist. And so to kind of, you know, take it uh, by the horns and say, hey, this is where we're at. This is what we're going to be doing. This is how we are approaching this. Sure. Is it the best response? Not necessarily. But I think a lot of people forget 
that in today's day and age, with cancel culture becoming such a big entity in social online entertainment and in social online conversations, uh, it's hard for anybody, a company or an individual, to fully recover uh, when they do anything that might be a bit out of line. And ultimately, I, as I said before, understand the approach Blizzard is taking here. Because sure, this political statement is one that a lot of people can get behind. The idea of a pro-freedom statement is something that not too many people, especially in modern America, uh, would be opposed to. But where will Blizzard stand whenever a person comes forward and makes a statement that you don't support? What's going to happen then? Where will Blizzard stand on that one? Will they ban them? Will they let it slide because, hey, this guy made a political statement, so is this guy. They might be different statements entirely, they might have different sentiments, but ultimately, still political statements. Uh, it's a very controversial situation and one that doesn't have a clear point A to point B solution. And so I think, in my opinion, this was handled very well. I think that to reiterate, uh, the dedication to being able to speak your mind is something that needed to be done. But on top of that, I think that just addressing the situation in any kind of way, shape, or form was a good move because I fully expected them to completely ignore it uh, during this year's show, and I'm glad that didn't happen. Again, was this the best outcome? Not necessarily, but what really would have been the best outcome? I don't really know. Because I'm not a PR professional, but I have a bit of experience, but again, it is what it is. It is to each their own kind of a situation. But that's how they began the show. However, following that was tons of incredible news. Blizzard reveals Diablo 4 in a gruesome cinematic lengthy gameplay clip. Blizzard kicked off BlizzCon 2019 with a bang, or possibly more accurately, the stone-on-stone -stone grinding of an ancient door opening. The company started its presentation, revealing something we've long since suspected was coming, Diablo 4. In addition to the teaser cinematic, game director Louis Bariga showed off a gameplay trailer that squashes rumors that the game would be scrapping the traditional isometric action. The cinematic shows several adventurers who have been lured into their doom by a mysterious priest, the gull bringing back one of Diablo lore's most influential figures, Lilith. The creator of Sanctuary, the world the Diablo takes place in has long been exiled and her return is bound to have major consequences. This is all in service to the actual game. Bariga introduced three of the new classes, which are all returning from various entries. So far, we know about the Barbarian, Sorceress, and Druid, the latter of which inspired a big cheer from the attendees. After seeing the shape-shifting hero in action in the clip below, we can understand the enthusiasm, and there's a lot to parse in the clip, but including the introduction of mounts, but overall it looks like the series is getting back to its darker roots. That's something fans have been clamoring for. And of course Diablo 4 is coming to PS4, Xbox One, and PC, though no release date has been set, and I would say you're probably going to be seeing this one transition from PlayStation 4 and Xbox One to PlayStation 5 and whatever Project Scarlet is going to be called, because they said this is not going to be coming out anytime soon. But we did get gameplay, so it could be sooner than we think. Maybe a year and a half out, two years out, something along those lines. So it could be a cross-generational title, depending on how companies begin to handle uh, that transition. Now, with that being considered, uh, I would highly encourage you to check out the gameplay, check out the trailer. Uh, personally, I've never been a big Diablo guy, just not really my kind of game. But the cinematics at this year's show, from Diablo to Overwatch to World of Warcraft were incredible, and I would highly encourage you to dedicate the roughly 10 minutes uh, to check out the cinematic for Diablo 4, because it was jarring, it was gross, it was gruesome, as they said, Game Informer, it was a genuinely well-built 
trailer uh, for what to expect from Diablo 4 in terms of aesthetic, in terms of vibe, in terms of atmosphere. It really is something that brings the franchise back to its roots. Of course, the guy was on stage basically apologizing for including color in Diablo 3. So that's kind of the approach they're taking with this. Uh, but wow, what a reveal this one was. Of course, very glad to see Diablo 4 finally coming out. This is what BlizzCon 2018 could have been. Because, of course, we got the tease of a Diablo announcement, and then it was the uh, mobile game that still has yet to come out in 2019. But, again, glad to see that they are finally moving forward with Diablo 4, and that fans got a lengthy, lengthy, lengthy look at what to expect from the next big entry. And, of course, demo on the show floor as well, for those that were in attendance. Uh, but on top of that, Overwatch 2 was revealed at BlizzCon. Following a leak about the game earlier this week, Blizzard officially revealed Overwatch 2 at BlizzCon, including an early look at gameplay. You can expect four-player story missions, a permanent version of the current events missions, and hero missions that take place in familiar and new locales as Blizzard expands the franchise's lore. Until now, much of the storytelling has played out in cinematic videos and comics. These story missions include an item system that allow you to pick up and deploy gear like healing packs, grenades, and shields. The Overwatch team is introducing character leveling this time around. There will be unlockable abilities or talents for the hero missions and possibly story missions, but you won't be able to customize hero abilities in player versus player modes. You can expect to see several heroes join in the ranks, including the long-rumored Sojourn. The current heroes will have new character models, and Blizzard is refreshing the user interface too. Overwatch 2 will have additional core mode called Push, which debuts on a map set in Toronto. It sees teams battling for control of a robot that pushes an objective to their opponent's side of a symmetrical map. You can expect more maps, including one set in Rio de Janeiro, Gothenburg, and Monte Carlo. Overwatch now has more than 50 million players, and Blizzard doesn't plan to leave fans of the original game in the lurch. All your progression, including achievements and unlock cosmetics as well as emotes, will carry over into Overwatch 2, and you will get access to maps and heroes from the sequel. What's more, players across both Overwatch and Overwatch 2 can team up with each other or duke it out in the series' core 6v6 competitive mode. Overwatch 2 does not have a release date as of yet, but Blizzard confirmed it's coming to PC, PS4, and Xbox One, as well as the Nintendo Switch. It's still planning to release updates for Overwatch in the meantime, but because its bigger focus is on Overwatch 2, there won't be any new Archives missions during the anniversary event in May. Now let's make something very clear. This, my friends, is a giant expansion. This is not necessarily Overwatch 2, because quite frankly, the game is still just Overwatch. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, you should call it just Overwatch. I don't know. I like the Fortnite approach where you do have Fortnite Chapter 2 being shown off as the big expansion because essentially it is basically a sequel, but it's not Fortnite 2. Uh, this is ultimately the same exact game, but with PvE added in and on top of that, uh, more PvP content. Now, will this be able to justify having its own namesake, its own uh, additional uh, franchise entry? That uh, is still kind of up in the air. Of course, you do have updated character models. The UI is going to be different. Uh, but still, considering that uh, owners of the original Overwatch get access to all of the new PvP content, this is seeming like more of an update, and then people are buying the PvE expansion portion of the game, uh, which is essentially Overwatch 2. Uh, that's just my two cents, though, so you know, you can take it with a grain of salt. You can always check out the trailer and the cinematic for yourself, uh, which I'm not going to lie. The announcement cinematic, it might have made me cry. I'm a grown-ass man, but I'm not afraid to, uh, you know... Sometimes you gotta call out yourself and say, hey man, that was a really good cinematic. You're out here with a tear running down your cheek. Uh, but overall, 
Overwatch, I should say, it looks like a pretty good uh, addition to the Overwatch lineup. Of course, the game has become a PvE or a PvP monster uh, in terms of the competitive scene, so it's cool to see that Overwatch 2 is going to be making waves at some point on the PS4, the Xbox One, the Switch, and the PC. And unlike Diablo 4, I think this one could come out this generation because, again, uh, there are tons of improvements, there are new maps, a ton of new content, but ultimately it is still Overwatch, so that's pretty much a game that has been already established and ready to go. But for fans of World of Warcraft, congratulations, a brand new expansion has been revealed with, you got it, another really cool looking cinematic. Shadowlands takes players into the afterlife. Announced today at BlizzCon 2019, the seventh major expansion for World of Warcraft is called Shadowlands. The follow-up for Battle of Azeroth coming in 2020 sees former Horde Warchief turned master villain Sylvanas Windrunner unleash death across the world of Azeroth and players venturing into the realm of the afterlife. In a dramatic cinematic trailer, Sylvanas travels to Icecrown to confront the current Lich King, Bolvar Ford Dragon, who took up the mantle following the events of the second World of Warcraft expansion, Wrath of the Lich King. The pair battle and Sylvanas is triumphant. Bolvar warns her of the power of the Lich King's crown, and it will be her undoing. Instead of donning the helm, the undead queen tears it apart, ripping open the veil between life and death. The Shadowlands is an infinite realm filled with unspeakable evils because if it wasn't, it would make for a pretty boring expansion. According to the info on the expansion website, players will align themselves with one of the Shadowlands Covenants, Shepherds of the Dead, each with their own motivations and ambitions. The game will also introduce Torghast, Tower of the Damned, a replayable, ever-changing dungeon. And of course, there is more official information in the press release that you can read through if you would like. But overall, brand new WoW expansion hitting, and thank goodness, because Battle for Azeroth seems to be kind of up in the air. Uh, I know that a ton of people loved Legion, uh, what would be the fifth expansion, but ultimately... Uh, still kind of fell short whenever Battle Up for Azeroth came around. Uh, of course, everybody loves WoW. People come back. And of course, with WoW Classic, a giant uh, resurgence has come and tons and tons of people are going to be coming back to WoW. On top of that, World of Warcraft 3 Reforged is also going to be hitting open beta starting tomorrow on November the 5th of 2019. If you did want to dive into that and you are a fan of old school WoW, of course, World of Warcraft 3 a little bit different, you know, not necessarily the same kind of approach, more of a competitive scene, a totally different game. But ultimately, the namesake of WoW is really making a huge comeback in terms of its popularity and of its notoriety in 2019. And so a brand new expansion is probably going to do pretty well if it is, in fact, as good as people expect. So if you're still grinding retail, good news for you, 2020 holds a brand new expansion. So that's pretty much everything that happened at BlizzCon. Of course, more or less tons of news comes out of the show, but those are the highlights. But now moving on, BioWare has lost yet another Anthem lead. Chad Robertson, the head of live service, is leaving the company after 14 years. Chad Robertson, BioWare's head of live service and point man on Anthem, is leaving the company. In a two-part Twitter thread, Robertson said that Anthem and BioWare are in good hands and that fans can expect great things. Despite Robertson's upbeat words, his departure isn't likely to instill confidence in anyone still paying attention to Anthem. All three of them. It comes less than three months after the loss of former Anthem lead producer Ben Irving, who left BioWare in August for a job at a different studio. It also takes place in the midst of a serious uncertainty about the future of Anthem. The long-delayed cataclysm eventually began, but BioWare announced in August that the plan to evolve the game, world through expansive acts, had been dropped in favor of seasonal updates. The end of the cataclysm event wasn't particularly clean either. When it was over, BioWare left some elements of the event online for people to play until the next seasonal event went live, which turned out to be a Halloween event that kicked off earlier this month. 
Now, of course, Robertson previously served as the head of technology and studio director at BioWare Austin. His other credits listed on Moby Games include Warhammer Online Age of Reckoning for Mythic, which was acquired by EA in 2006 and merged with BioWare in 2009. He also worked on Star Wars The Old Republic, Dragon Age Inquisition, and Mass Effect Andromeda. But ultimately, Anthem continues to have a slow, painful death, and they still say, hey, guess what? Anthem content's still coming down the pipe. Hey, guess what? Anthem's still alive and well. We're going to rebuild the game from the ground up, making it the game that we wanted to make for you from the beginning. Nobody wants this anymore. The ship has sailed, and I'm sorry, but the name Anthem will never be able to recover. Uh, there is no example of a game that has been this far in the hole that has been able to dig itself out in my knowledge. Now, you look at stuff like Destiny 2, which had a rough launch. It had a rough first few months, uh, but still, it wasn't necessarily a bad game. It didn't just fulfill the expectations that fans had set for the game itself. And so, with Anthem, there were so Heidi. That's probably not the right word. Expectations. The level of anticipation was so high for this game that whenever it dropped the ball so, so badly, it could never recover from that. And so you see people beginning to move on. You see people begin uh, to look for other opportunities. And ultimately, this is what you get. Another big lead on the team going on to greener pastures. Uh, but hey, we'll see what happens with Anthem. I just say, not going to happen. However, Luigi's Mansion 3 is Nintendo Switch's biggest launch this year. Mario's little brother has gone and grabbed the biggest Nintendo Switch launch of 2019, bigger than Super Mario Maker 2 and The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Luigi's Mansion 3 arrived second in the chart this week behind Call of Duty Modern Warfare, but it is unmistakably a success for Nintendo. Launch week physical sales are more than double those of the 3DS predecessor, Luigi's Mansion 2, and that's not counting Nintendo's now healthy split of digital sales detailed by the company to investors last week. Also worth noting a brief pause, Luigi's Mansion 2 was ported to the Nintendo 3DS, I think, think, uh, or I could be thinking about the original. You know what? I'm going to leave that to Google to decide later. One caveat to Luigi's Mansion 3 sales is it had one extra day on sale versus Mario Maker 2 and Link's Awakening as it launched to coincide with Halloween on Thursday rather than the traditional Friday release, but there is no doubting the game's quality. Of course, the top 10 games are as you expect, Call of Duty Modern Warfare at number 1, followed by Luigi's Mansion, then FIFA 20, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe at number 4, The Outer Worlds at 5, Ghost Recon Breakpoint at 6, Ring Fit Adventure at 7, Plants vs. Zombies Battle for Neighborville at 8, just above GTA 5 at 9, and Medieval at number 10. Now, with that being said, I do believe these numbers are a bit wonky. Uh, I would say that the biggest launch of 2019 would probably go to Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening if uh, it was counted in the same kind of way, because again, those two games, Mario Maker and Link's Awakening, launched on Friday, Luigi's Mansion 3 launched on Thursday, that's a pretty big deal, and on top of that, not too many Halloween games aside from Medieval launched this year, so Luigi's Mansion 3 is a pretty big one for that day. Still, worth noting that the game is killing it, and I'm glad to see it, because hey, it's a cool-looking title, and it's good to see Luigi getting some time in the spotlight. But you could be seeing the spotlight go to some 3DS franchises, as more of them are coming to the Switch. The Nintendo Switch Lite has already grown to become a success. That success might mean that Nintendo will bring over some 3DS franchises to the console sometime in the near future. Per Takashi Mochizuki, a Wall Street Journal tech reporter, Nintendo's president Shuntaro Furukawa stated that the company would make more 3DS franchises available on the Switch. As GameStop pointed out, Brand Age has already been announced for the console and will be this December in Japan will be launched, they should say, at DualShockers. There is still no release planned in the West as of yet.
Furukawa mentioned that the company would make more 3DS franchises available on the Switch due to the popularity of the Switch Lite and bring some games that convey the appeal of the smaller system. The Switch Lite has jumped out of the gates and become a success almost immediately. The console has sold almost 2 million units within the first 10 days of launch, and now that there is a console with a bit of a smaller form factor, it would be nice to have some more pop-in-and-play games that the 3DS had a multitude of. But that leads to the question, what could the president of Nintendo mean by bringing over 3DS franchises? I mean, it of course means that games like Brain Age and other similar titles will be getting new entries on the console, but could that possibly mean we'll be seeing ports of 3DS games as well? This goes without saying, but the 3DS has one of the best catalogs of games to choose from out of any console. It would be great to see some of the titles of the system make their way over to the Switch. Of course, there are many, many 3DS games to play right now, and it would be cool to see them on the Switch, uh, but ultimately, I think that we're going to be seeing a lot of franchises uh, coming over. I think you're going to be seeing new entries, which isn't a bad thing. Uh, ports are great, but ultimately, when it comes down to it, I like to see new ideas, new iterations on new consoles, because I love the idea of bringing something old and making it new again, but still, something completely new is always going to be a bit more valuable in my mind uh, because of stuff like the Modern Warfare remaster that came out a couple of years back where you did have that classic 2007 Call of Duty Modern Warfare gameplay, but this year's Modern Warfare, which is basically a reboot, something new that also maintains that same kind of feel as something old, uh, has much more value in my mind. And so, again, my two cents, but ultimately, cool to see 3DS making a comeback on the Switch if the president of Nintendo is to be believed. I'd say he probably is. But finally, 38 new unreleased maps have been found in Call of Duty Modern Warfare's PC files. PC data miners have continued to dig into the Call of Duty Modern Warfare game files to see what unreleased content they can find inside. Now in a Reddit post, a user has found 38 unreleased maps that are in development for Call of Duty Modern Warfare. We should caution, as always, the PC files have developmental things that may never see the light of day as the developers test many new features, maps, and more for games with some never releasing. The files also add images of just some of the maps within. All images embedded below are hosted on Reddit's site and not on Charlie Intel servers. So, the gunfight maps that are coming include Cage, Cargo, Hook, and Exclusion Zone. An image of Exclusion Zone can be found here. Shoot House is seen here, which looks to be a very interesting map indeed. 6v6 slash 10v10 maps include Anaya Attack, Crash, Dam, Krovnik, Farmland, Gulag, Hospital, Layover, Lowline, Lumber, and more. You can check out the entire list, of course, on the link, which is in the description down below. Uh, but ultimately, you have the return of Rust another big one. Uh, you have a very cool looking map here with Takedown, which looks like a helicopter landing pad. Kind of reminds me of Tony Hawk uh, Pro Skater 2 with the hangar level. Uh, then on top of that, you've got brand new ground war maps, which are very exciting. Specifically one ground war map as of right now. And finally, you have other, which includes a gun course and a marksman range. Uh, but if I did have to pick out the biggest headlines here, of course, you have Slums, which could be the Modern Warfare 2 uh, making a comeback. Shipment Day and Shipment Night, these are pretty big deals because, of course, Shipment, another iconic game or another iconic map from a previous game. Uh, another one that made the headlines here is Crash. Of course, a very big deal in transit uh, could be the Black Ops Zombies map. That would be interesting. Uh, but TV Station specifically, a classic map from the Modern Warfare uh, DLC that came out back in 2007, 2008. Uh, so you've got a lot of really good looking maps here, both new and old. And I would love to see some images of those remakes without a doubt. 
Of course, Rust is evidently going to be making a comeback because, hey, that's a classic one. I still don't know if I believe this trailer or this uh, screenshot because that looks strangely like the original map and that could be touched up. But hey, that's just me. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But exciting times to be a fan of Call of Duty because Modern Warfare continues to kill it in a very, very cool looking way. But with that being said, that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. I hope you enjoyed this one. And if you did, drop me a like down below if you are watching on YouTube or if you are on podcast services, click that subscribe button and stay up to date five days a week, Monday through Friday. But until tomorrow, have a fantastic rest of your day. I will talk to you soon and peace.